Welcome to the Get More Success Show. He's a guy who never measured a man's success by the size of his wife. It's showtime. 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 And now, here is your host, Warwick Mary. Welcome back to another episode of the Get More Success Show. Hey, today I've got a, a special guest, a guy who I've known for some time and who is an expert in the field of getting stuff organized in your inbox, in particular talking about taming the email tiger. Would you please welcome Mr. Stuart Snooks? Welcome, Stuart. Thanks, Warwick. Um, so, Stuart, you're being the email guru, and obviously success for you would be having a, um, a well-organized inbox, uh, but it, I'm interested in how you define success, not just for email, but in the, in the bigger picture. So, how do you define success? Success, yes. Well, many say success is a, a journey rather than a destination, and I would tend to agree with that. We need to be able to smell the roses along the way rather than, you know, only thinking we're successful when we actually reach a destination or fulfil a goal. I, I tend to think of success as being in control of what you can control while going with the flow around those things that you can't and, and be at peace with where you're at now. Right. That's an interesting definition of success. Uh, and I'm just looking a bit about your background. You've actually had a, quite a varied background as well, like working in the wine industry, traveling over all over France and to Champagne, Burgundy, Beaujolais and all the fabulous parts of the world and then doing time management consultant, that kind of stuff. What keeps you going when you change through these different evolutions of Stuart? Well, there's probably only been a couple of major changes. There was that decade in the wine trade. And uh, I'd always um, wanted to combine wine and travel, wine and education. And so I thought I'll get inside the travel industry, see how that works and pull together packages. But travel inside was very disillusioning. I was coming back to the wine trade. I just got married. So I knew I didn't want to work restaurant hours. Yeah. I didn't want to get stuck in a, in a small bottle shop. So I was being pretty choosy. And there was an opportunity to work with Daytimer. And I met with the state manager. He was a remarkable fella. Uh, and I thought, and this is something I need to get good at. So I'll do time management for a year or two and I'll specialise in time management for the wine trade. And that's just evolved and I've never got back to the wine trade. <laughs> uh, well, from a professional point of view, as a consumer very much so, I've continued my education. Yep. Uh, and then working in time management, uh, I did a lot of follow-up. I was just a consultant. I didn't do any delivery. And as a part of that follow-up, more and more of my time was spent talking to people uh, about their computer and about email issues until one particular client said, Stuart, our biggest time management problem is email. Have you got something just specific to email? And that's where I saw an opportunity to specialise in that area. Uh, and I've been doing that for 12 years now. So it's really a specialisation in the broader context of workplace productivity. Right. So uh, well, let's, let's look at success when it comes to email. How do you define success around email, in particular your inbox? Sure. I've got a subtitle to my, you know, my new business cards, yeah. uh, which are called E-Mastery, e short for Email Mastery. And the subtitle is Get Control of Email. Uh, and that's what it's about. Uh, are we in control? Are we the master or are we the slave? Uh, for some, that means an empty inbox. And that's almost like a goal. It's pretty hard to measure success if you're measuring it. Uh, having an inbox empty because, of course, no sooner do you do that than <laughs> two or three new ones will, yeah. uh, come in. So it's rather – I like the uh, Traffic Accident uh, Corporation's uh, slogan, which is towards zero. Yeah. Um, we're never going to get zero uh, as a road toll and we're never going to get to zero uh, as a permanent thing with our inbox, but we can do things that help us work towards zero. Yeah. 
why why does having a full email like and you must meet people who have like thousands of email in their inbox yeah yes of course so so why is having a towards zero inbox so important Yes, I've written a bit of an article on that, seven reasons why, you know, seven reasons to have an empty inbox. And one of the key ones is that the inbox is simply a landing place for incoming messages, just like a pigeonhole or uh, the the letterbox out the front of the house. It's not where we do work. It's not where we um, get involved. It's just a lodging place. And we should go to it once with the sole purpose of emptying it. Now, of course, email inboxes give us a lot more volume than perhaps the pigeonhole or the letterbox, but the same principles apply. Uh, there used to be an old um, theory in the, in the workplace where you pick up a piece of paper and you only handle it once and then move it on. And the same principle applies to email. As I say to people, our time is simply too valuable to ever look at an email more than once. We need a process that allows us to, to look at it once, make a decision and move it on uh, and moving it on away from the inbox. Yeah, because there's a lot of people who will like open an email and go, all oh, right, yeah, now I'll get to that later and I'll just mark it as unread to remind myself and then open and close and remark that email, you know, five times a day. Yes. So so how do, you, how do you only hand an email once? Like, you know, that's one of my challenges. You know, I get a lot of email, but how do you only handle an email once? Sure. I find there's, there's two principles. And just before we get to that, one of the problems with constantly opening email and not doing something about it is what's called the Zaganic effect. Our mind uh, remembers unfinished, incomplete, um, interrupted tasks much more readily than when we've got something done. Yeah. And so what happens is we look at an email, whether it's in the inbox on the computer or on the smartphone, which is even worse, uh, and we, come, we decide to come back to it later, but some part of our brain is now in a now open up a file and trying to keep track of it and it and you do that with enough of them and it becomes a lot of mental sludge which just weighs down and slows down our thinking and our concentration and our focus so that's one of the key major reasons to uh, not just with inbox but with intro anything that we look at for the first time make some sort of decision and move it on mm-hmm. uh, and preferably using a system that allows us to come back to it without having to rely on our own brain, free our brain up for uh, being in the moment and being able to focus. And then in answer to your question about how do we do that, I find the two keys are two of the three W's in in my presentation. I heard you mention taming the email tiger at the head of the the interview. And that used to be the name of my half day workshop. But over the years, more and more people said, Stuart, can you do this in, you know, in two hours, uh, 90 minutes, you know, 60 minutes, we haven't got time for a whole half day. I need to be more efficient. Can you teach me the same thing, but far quicker? (laughs) Yeah. So I condensed it down to the three key strategies, the WWW of mastering your email. And the ones um, that the two, well, the three of them are when, what and where. We need to control when we're looking at email, when it gets our attention, when we're focusing on it, what we do when we do give it our attention, and then where do we move it to. So in terms of keeping the inbox empty, it makes it a lot easier to make a decision once if we actually look at the inbox at a focused uh, block of time rather than as an interruption or ad hoc when we're really only half, uh, half our mind is on the job. And then the second W about what we do Uh, All of the great time management gurus have talked about four Ds of some sort. Uh, And every email we look at, there's only one of four things we ever do. And the first one's the one that's most of our favourite, which is delete. Um, You look at the email and decide that you either didn't want it or uh, you've got your value out of it and you can delete it. Yep. 
Uh, the second one is to uh, deal with it straight away. And I find this is really powerful. A lot yeah. of the times we can actually take the next action. It may not finish the email, but we can take the next action to keep it moving uh, in two minutes or less. And so we should take that up to two minutes as a maximum. And often we can take a lot less than that to take the next action and keep it moving. Uh, so a deal with it now, or do it now sort of approach. The third D is to delegate when the next action needs to be somebody else. Mm-hmm. And you with your personal assistant probably do quite a, quite a bit of this. You flick it onto them to take the next action. Yep. Uh, or you flick on the invoice to the accounts payable department to make the payment. And the fourth D is make a decision. And I find we really weak on this. And it's because we don't give ourselves the time. We don't control the when part to do the thinking that's needed to make a decision. Um, Decision-making, or the, that word decide, comes from the same family of words as uh, homicide, genocide. <laughs> it's the same family of words, which effectively means to kill off. Yep. We don't take the time to make a decision, and so we don't kill off the email, and it hangs around in the inbox. And then we have to look at it a second or a third or a fifth or eighth or a tenth time. And there are three possible decisions. The first decision is, uh, there's no further action on this, but I can't delete it. I do have to keep it. Uh, so where do I store it? And you choose the appropriate place to move it to. These days, a lot of people leave things in the inbox thinking, uh, I don't know where to move it to. It's too hard to make that decision. I'll just leave it in the inbox. It's safe. I know where it is then. But that's fine for one or two emails. But if you do that for a large number of them, uh, it obviously breeds its own problem. Yeah. A lot of people keep them in the inbox because they can sort and search in one place. And that's a fantastic principle. Uh, I would suggest it's just the wrong location. And and when we talk about where, the where part of email, I talk about having a single folder, uh, and I call it filing cabinet, and put everything that you need to keep into one single folder instead of trying to put it into a hierarchy of folder, subfolder, 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 which is just too too hard to manage. Uh, so the principle is, is great. One folder and use the power of search or you can sort by the columns uh, in right. one place. Okay. Just, shouldn't, just shouldn't be the inbox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, so this is obviously a new habit. And there's a lot of, you know, the research, it takes 21, 28 days to, to get a new habit into in to gear. So how do people embrace this idea of doing it? Because we, now, as you said before, typically we're looking at our, our email in three different places. You know, we've got our phone, maybe we've got a, a tablet of some description and then we have a computer of some description. So how do you keep organised across the different technology platforms that you may use? Sure. Um, I've done that myself by moving to Office 365 for those who are Outlook users, uh, and that allows me to access uh, email from any of my devices. Mm-hmm. Uh, I almost never access it from any other device other than my computer simply because email on a smartphone is just too darn hard. It's too small a device to do email well. It's yeah. hard to type. You can't manage files and attachments. It's just too hard. I might look at it occasionally if I'm away from the computer for an extended time just to check on anything that mm-hmm. I can give a, a short, sharp notice to. But uh, even so, I very rarely look at it on the smartphone and I certainly don't get any notifications yeah um on that device and that's got to be a key doesn't it turning off that notification because nowadays every single application or website you goes to wants to send a reminder or a notification and there are some people's phones that just continually dings and it's got to be so disruptive exactly and and when we talk about the when part of 
uh, controlling email. I spent a fair bit of time there talking about why that's so important, and that's one of the key reasons. Otherwise, your your attention span, your brain is not your own. It's you know you're you're um, you're the subject of everyone else's uh, whim. I'm really interested in that whole when you check your emails concept because most people and a lot of the people that I work with are driven by their emails. Like they're continually looking at it. Something comes in. They've got to deal with it now. And there is some stuff that is, is urgent and other stuff that people think is urgent, but it's only because it's urgent to them and not to you receiving it. So how hard is it to get into that habit of only checking your – how many times a day do you reckon you should check your email? Well, I've done a fair bit of the research on this and best practice tends to be for most people in most roles, it's not the same for everyone, but for, for most people in most roles, three or four times a day. And, and uh, so what sort of time of the day are you talking about? Like first thing at work and then every two or three hours? Uh, well, it's logical to think that you, you divide the day up evenly like that, but it doesn't actually work. Uh, the temptation is to say first thing in the morning. And that's exactly what we should not do. Uh, first thing in the morning should be reserved for big picture, higher priority um, uh, thinking rather than the minutia and the detail that's in email. It doesn't mean that we don't look at email early. It just should be second thing, if you like, rather than first thing. Right. So the first thing is check your agenda for the day, preferably in your calendar. Uh, if you don't use that, a diary or even your to-do list would be better than going straight to the inbox. What commitments have you already got made? What's your overview for the day before you look at the little picture in email? So you might look at your, your calendar and go, okay, I've got that meeting. I've got to finish that report. I've got to update that proposal. Yeah, I've got to make those three phone calls. And you might spend, if you've got a highly structured day, you might only spend five or 10 seconds just reviewing the big picture map of your day. If you've got a highly negotiable day where you might spend five or 10 minutes planning out what you're going to do when, or you might even spend half an hour, 45 minutes doing your A1 number one priority and getting that out of the way before you allow yourself to check, you know, whatever pleasures have come in via the inbox. Right. Uh, and then you fine tune your plan for the day. So now you're looking at your inbox and you go, oh, that meeting's off. Okay. Uh, there's another one on. Oh, I've got to make that phone call too. Uh, oh, yeah, I've got to drop that, pick that up. So you fine tune your plan. But for so many people, when you start the day in the inbox, you very rarely get to the plan or you get to it very late in the day. And so you've lived most of your day in a reactive mode rather than a proactive mode. So, so looking at email second thing rather than first thing is a very important principle. It won't make a big difference tomorrow, but as a consistent day in, day out thing over the period of a year, it's amazing how much more um, outcomes and bigger picture stuff will get done compared to starting the day in the inbox. Right. Uh, you, referred to, you referred to doing your um, A1 activities. So do you categorise your to-do list into A's, B's and C's and 1, 2's and 3's? How, how do you categorise them? That's one of the ways. I do tend to still use that because I had a strong habit from my daytime days. Um, but I might not do my A1 first thing in the morning. My A1 may require a great deal of creative um, uh, or mental focus. And I find for me that tends to be late morning rather than early morning. So I might schedule my A1 for 11 o'clock. But I might get on with my A2 or, or you know my B1 or something early. I might do a couple of smaller things to get some momentum going, get the brain running before I actually get to my highest priorities. Right. But at least I've made those decisions before I've allowed anything new uh, to get onto my radar screen. Yeah. With with um, some of these, like a lot of the people who listen to the show, uh, typically they're sort of middle senior management. So frequently they will have some of these strategic things that they need to do, but they also have a team who continually interrupt them. What are some of the techniques so that you can do these strategic items yet not be interrupted by your, your team 
and have them be okay with that. Because a lot of the time, like, oh, but this is important. I need to know now. You know, should we be ordering dim sims or sandwiches for the for the meeting? Yes. You know, so how how do you manage that space? Yes, uh, and that's one of the great uh, challenges: is how do you get your own stuff done as a senior executive uh, and still be available to interact with your team? And the problem is that. Uh, teams haven't agreed on when they're going to have those conversations. And I've found great success talking to organisations about a thing that I used to call SRT uh, because that's what it was called when I first learned it. And SRT standing for Strategic Reserve Time. Time set aside in advance to deal with issues that are going to pop up. So, you know what it's like. You know you're going to get interrupted today. You just don't know who it's going to be, what it's going to be about, when it's going to happen. But you do know it's going to happen and you can set aside a block of time to deal with those and then communicate to your team, hey, guys, listen, I'm, I've got my door closed. I'm, I'm working on some projects between 9.30 and 11. But between 11 and 11.30, let's catch up with any of the things that have come up instead of interrupting me during that time. I was actually working with a client in Mildura and they said, oh, yeah, we've got that. We call it GAM time. I said, really? GAM time? What does that mean? He says, G-A-M, got a minute. Yeah. And since I've been talking to organisations in the last couple of years about the GAM time concept, people love it because one of the reasons people interrupt their manager is they don't know when else they're going to get to contact them. So they do it now while they while it's top of mind. But if they know that there's going to be a block of time set aside specifically to catch up with these issues, they can actually uh, make a list and talk about four or five issues in one conversation instead of that being four or five interruptions. Yeah, yeah. Then when you magnify that by a team of 10, the manager or the executive, instead of getting 40 or 50 interruptions, is now only having uh, five conversations um, at a controlled block of time instead of an uncontrolled block of time. Now, that's not going to solve all the problems, but I reckon the old 80-20 principle works. 80% of the conversations can be handled this way, and suddenly it frees up an enormous amount of time and mental space uh, once you get this sort of basic agreement in place. Because that's got to be one of the biggest lies in business, doesn't it, that got a minute? Because it's never a minute. Like, it's at the very least five, typically 15, and often half an hour, isn't it? Exactly. You know, it, um, it goes on and without a time limit, um, uh, you know, that can go on. But once people know that there's a, there's a time and the other thing that makes it work, the other strategy that makes that concept work is a tool. How do I capture those ideas that come up now so that I can deal with them at a more appropriate time uh, without forgetting them? So mm-hmm. we must have some sort of a tool, even if it's as basic as a notepad, um, or a draft email or a, a tab in an Excel, somewhere of capturing that thought so that you can deal with it at a more appropriate time. And just on that, uh, I've also found great success uh, with a, an app that, uh, in fact, you know Daniel's story at the Enterprise Yeah, Center. yeah, yeah. Daniel put me onto this. It's called Brain Toss. Uh, it's an app you can have on your phone, and it's great for capturing ideas, often when you're in a place where it's difficult to capture things like driving the car or going for a walk. I use it five, eight, ten times a day. And the app's got a microphone uh, or so I can just speak out a voicemail and I click send and it sends a message to my inbox or I might have to be quiet and I can type it out. Click send and it sends it to my inbox or I can take a photo and click send, it sends it to my inbox and then I can do the processing part there. So I've been able to capture the issue while it was top of mind and send it to a place where I'm able to do my processing part later on. Because that, that really is the thing, isn't it? It's all about how do I minimise the negative impact on my brain time? Because there are, you know, so many of 
people out there will have all these great ideas or have all these, you know, emails coming in or phone calls going on and you're just jumping from one thing to another and not actually being strategic enough about looking at what's going to give us the best return on our energy and time and investment versus what's just a shiny bright object that seems like a good idea, but once you look under it at the microscope, it's, it's not as productive as it could be. So, Because that's really the, the basic core of managing your email and your time, isn't it? Exactly. Having some sort of structure rather than no structure uh, uh, with a little bit of flexibility you know, for the stuff that does come up that does have to be dealt with straight away. So you've been doing this for quite a few years now. What are some of the results that some of these um, senior executives are getting uh, as having you as a a strategist and productivity expert? Uh, Good. I can remember an accountant I went and worked with across in Adelaide. He was really struggling with email. I worked with him and his practice manager and his PA. And I followed him up a couple of weeks later. I said, you know, what's the biggest difference that, you know, our our time together has made? And he says, Stuart, it's freed up about 15% of my mental space. Yeah. Uh, that was one thing. Uh, another one, uh, another uh, feedback common is that it saves nearly half the amount of time people are spending on email at the moment, mm-hmm. uh, and they can dedicate that time to more structured, focused, forward, um, uh, strategic thinking time rather than getting caught up in in processing time because they haven't had a good process. And this is the thing with email, uh, not just email, but a major thing with email. In a, any organisation, you've got people. Uh, process and what I call platform. So it's our technology and our tools. And where you've got good uh, people and good technology, good platform, but not a very good process, people tend to get overloaded. They get overwhelmed. The technology we have these days makes so much possible, so much information, so much communication. But without a good process for dealing with it, we get overloaded and our workload is chaotic. It's hard to manage. Where you have a good people and a good process, but the technology is not up to speed. It tends to make things laborious, slow, labour intensive. And then where you have good process and good technology, but the people aren't using it because either they don't have the motivation or haven't been trained how to to use process or technology, you have um, wasted resource in the technology uh, and unfulfilled potential in the people. The people could be so much more productive uh, if they'd just shown how. What I find is missing in most organisations uh, is the process part for email. Now, we have processes for all sorts of functions in a business. There'll be a, a process for purchase order, for, for delivering, for writing up a sales invoice. There'll be 500, 1,000, 10,000 people in the organisation, but one process for raising a purchase order. But when it comes to email, you'll have 10,000 people in the organisation and 10,000 different processes. It hasn't been standardised and systematised so that it's really easy for everyone to understand how to do it. Well, the standard email training at any office is something along the lines of, oh, by the way, we use Microsoft Office or, by the way, we use Google Apps. And that's it. Like, you know, people just assume that you know how to use email effectively and that is a very broad assumption. So um, we're, getting, we're getting to where we, we need to wrap it up. So just to recap, for the, for the listeners, what are the top things, anyone who's trying to get a handle on their email, what are the top things you'd recommend that they do? Sure. Firstly, I would turn off the alerts um, so that you can control when that gets your attention, when you spend time on it. Uh, then when you do go to your inbox, use the 4D approach. Uh, and as you were saying earlier, that often requires a lot of self-discipline and strong habits. And that's where you can get technology to help you too. Just quickly, two apps that are really powerful in helping sustain best practice behaviours are uh, Lean Mail uh, is one of the best ones I've come across. How do and I spell that? Lean Mail, L-E-A-N. 
M-A-I-L. Yep. Uh, based on Lean and Six Sigma um, thinking around how to, uh, how to manage the email process. And the other one is um, uh, Boomerang, which has uh, got a couple of great apps that... Now, Leanmail is only for Outlook, both uh, computer and smartphone, where Boomerang has a Gmail and Outlook um, application. And they're excellent tools to help with the, the processing of email. Uh, and then the, the third thing that I would suggest is really helpful is to uh, the concept of just using a single folder for storing all of your email and relying on the power of search as that's become more and more powerful. We can use the computer's brain instead of our own brain to find our stuff in the yeah. same way that, in fact, most people are doing this now. I ask people um, who uses Google and they go, oh, yeah, I use Google all the time. You know, I says, well, what is Google? And people go, oh, it's a search engine. I go, I beg to differ. I think it's just a filing cabinet. Yep. It's a single place where you can find everything with a powerful search engine to help you find it. And that same principle can be applied to email. Yeah, cool. Sounds great. Thank you so much for those tips, Stuart. If people want to get in touch with you to find out um, how you can help them or their organisation, what's the best way to get in touch? Great. Thanks for asking. Uh, I've come up with a new website at uh, stuartsnooks.com. Um, .com.au is also available, and that gives a bit of an overview of, of the sort of things that I can help organisations uh, around getting control of their email, whether that's you know, workshops or presentations or coaching, or I'm about to develop an online uh, course this year using you know all that I've learned over the last 12 years. That's probably the best first port of okay. call. Uh, LinkedIn. And so Stuart Snooks, that's S-T-E-U-A-R-T-S-N-O-O-K-S.com or .com.au, and that will get in touch with you. Uh, plus the other two variations of Stuart as well. I've got six, uh, six, <laughs> six ways. Six ways All right, of so here am I thinking, oh, we've got to be careful to spell Stuart correctly. But no, you can spell Stuart any way you want and you'll get in touch with him. Pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. And LinkedIn's the other place, of course, as well these days. Now, I can't let you go without asking and reflecting bigger back on your wine industry. And as uh, someone who's now no longer officially in the wine industry, but still a connoisseur. What's your favourite drop? What is the thing that you enjoy the most? Oh, come on, Warwick. That's like asking which is your favourite child. Well, everyone's <laughs> got one. Parents just keep it a secret. They all have a favourite child. Oh, well, at my particular uh, age uh, and stage of life, uh, good reds are, are my preferred option most of the year round. This time of year, you know, in the middle of summer, uh, I'm quite happy with whites and I've got a bit of a taste for dark beer just recently as well. All right. So basically, you've narrowed it down to anything you can put in a glass and that makes you happy. Oh, it's got to be a certain quality, Warwick. Now, it's got to be <laughs> of course quality. it does. And this is one of the problems about having a bit of knowledge. It spoils cheap wine for you. <laughs> Fantastic. Stuart, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you being here. All the best. Thanks for having me on. You've been listening to the Get More Success Show with Warwick Merry, your host. I look forward to your company again next time. Thanks for listening to the Get More Success Show with Warwick Merry. Continue the conversation with other successful people over at getmoresuccess.com. That's where you'll find all the show notes as well as a link to our Facebook group that we'd love for you to join. Getmoresuccess.com is also where you'll find all the information you need to connect with me, your host, Warwick Merry. Thanks for listening and until next time, enjoy your success.